This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. This is Fresh FM, your community access radio station. Broadcasting across the top of the south in Nelson, Tasman on 104.8, Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, Blenheim on 88.9 and the Nelson CBD on 107.2 and streaming to the planet through our website freshfm.net. Welcome to our show, Heads Up, brought to you by the Brain Injury Association, Top of the South, with help from the Neurological Foundation, playing Thursday mornings following the BBC News at 9am. Special mention to our fantastic sponsors, the Nelson Clinic, and of course, Fresh FM for making this show happen. If you like any information about the support groups or the services they provide at the Brain Energy Association, please call Emma on 03-546-6656 for any help or head to braininjury.nz. Please keep in mind the COVID restrictions while attending groups. It is up to everyone to scan in and wear a mask to and from each group meeting. Please do not come if you have any signs of cold and or flu or have recently travelled to an area where community COVID cases are present. Thank you. December groups are as follows. Each Tuesday at the Deck Cafe, 70 Beach Road, Tahunanui at 10.30am. Thursday 2nd of December, there will be a much waker group support held at the Coast Cafe at the Mochwaker Wharf from 10.30am. On Friday the 3rd of December, we are meeting at Lambretta's Cafe at 1030 followed by a short walk around the cathedral where we will check out the Christmas tree on display, including a very own member made by the Brain Injury Association. On Friday the 10th of December, we're holding our Christmas lunch at the Honest Lawyer from 10.30. Due to COVID restrictions, there are very limited numbers. You must RSVP to Emma if you wish to attend. Please contact her on 03-546-6656 by Friday the 3rd of December. Members are $10 per head. Non-members are 15 per head. The BIA office will shut down on the Christmas period from the 20th of December, opening again on Wednesday, the 5th of January. We wish you all a safe and Merry Christmas holiday with family and friends. For more information around our support groups, check out our calendar on our website, braininjury.nz, or our Facebook page, Brain Injury, T-O-T-S, or give us a call at 03 
546-6656. We're very excited to announce the Neurological Foundation will be collaborating with us on the show and providing some amazing content. We'll have interviews with renowned doctors and scientists and information and education. A little bit about the Neurological Foundation, if you're unaware, uh, is a New Zealand charity that funds vital research and ongoing education into neurological conditions, which includes diseases and disorders of the brain, spine and nerves. The Foundation's sole focus is to work towards the treatment, management and prevention of the neurological conditions by funding research and education. One in five New Zealanders suffers from a neurological condition. A little bit around the Brain Injury Association and what we do is we provide advocacy for people, support, information and education to the top of the south. We help people navigate the health system after having a brain injury, which can be really hard work. Uh, We also have membership and support groups that we run weekly. These are a great way for people to keep socialising and just to have support. You do not have to have a brain injury to come to these support groups. You can also be a family member living alongside brain injury because you also need some support too. Both the Brain Injury Association and the Neurological Foundation are not-for-profits and need your ongoing support to continue help people in our community head to these websites if you wish to donate, braininjury.nz or neurological.org.nz. Hello, it's Kelly Bain from the Neurological Foundation. Um, hope you're doing well and if you're experiencing summer like we are down here in the Deep South, hope you're enjoying it. I'm here with Associate Professor Stephanie Hughes. Now, last segment we talked with um, Stephanie about her role as Director of Brain Health Research Centre and just what the Brain Health Research Centre is as part of the University of Otago. Uh, Today we are going to be talking with her about her current research, how she got to where she is, a bit of a life journey, put her on the spot. (laughs) Uh, And we're also outside with four marvellous dogs, and we were with three sheep, so if you hear any noises in the background, it's just our furry friends saying hello. So welcome again, Steph. Thanks, Kelly. (laughs) So I'd like to firstly know what you're doing now in your lab. Uh, We've got a big group. There's about 15 of us at the moment. Um, I'm unfortunately not in the lab, but those that are um, are predominantly working on some uh, cells in in a tissue culture dish called Mm -hmm. induced pluripotent stem cells. Say that again for me. Induced pluripotent stem cells. Pluripotent, okay. Or iPSCs. Much easier. Exactly. (laughs) So these iPSCs are cells that have come from skin cells, Mm -hmm. uh, from either people without any sort of uh, disease or any sort of abnormality, or from normal individuals, so-called normal individuals. Um, And these cells are changed back into a very primitive sort of cell. Um, similar to what you, you're derived from originally, so very similar to an embryonic stem cell right. from which we all derive. So when you say skin cell, you mm-hmm. mean you don't mean just a bit yeah. of a scrape of yep. a cell? Yep, really? exactly. Yeah. So those cells can be turned back into a cell, which can then become any other cell type that you want to, to produce. So how, it, how does that happen? It's, it's really awesome. It's only within about the last 20 years that it's been possible to do this, mm. and only more recently that we've really taken advantage mm-hmm. of it. But now 
um, researchers can make any type of cell they want. Turn a cell into a muscle cell or a brain cell or a kidney cell and study um, what the effects of different drugs are on those cell types um, or um, how a disease might cause um, the effects it does um, on that cell. And it's just used for research or people are using this clinically? So predominantly for research, but there are examples where they're starting to use them for transplantation. Right. Um, so taking those cells, producing blood cells or cells um, for heart muscle and injecting them back into patients. Crazy. So, yeah, that's, I find that pretty incredible. It's amazing. I never thought that would be possible when I started in research. Mm. So the lab is doing this, creating an embryotic-like cell. Mm-hmm. And from there, what are they up to? So from there, we turn those into cells in the brain. Right. Um, which is where our major focus is. So yes. up till now, we've been making neurons um, from... The cells that form the cortex in mm-hmm. the brain, so the sort of higher, what we imagine is higher thinking areas, and those that are most affected in the major disease that we study. Um, and then more recently, we've started looking at astrocytes as well, which are the sort of glue or support cells. Well, we know a little bit about astrocytes neurons. here. Sorry to interrupt. Just if you have been listening before, we've spoken to Xiao Wen and also Indranol, mm-hmm. who are... Sorry, Dr. Indranil Basic and Zhao Wen, and I can't remember her last name. You. You, yes. Dr. Zhao Wen, you. And they've both been talked about astrocytes. So um, I think the <clears throat> it was explained to me best that the astrocytes like the supporting band of the neurons hmm. front rock star. That's right. Right, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So sorry, go, I'm just sorry for interrupting everyone. That's so. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at astrocytes and the interactions between the astrocytes right. and the neurons because neurons don't work very well without their support network. Mm. And then more recently, we we're also looking at dopaminergic neurons, which are the subtype of neurons affected in Parkinson's disease. Right. And so Parkinson's disease, is, this is where you're focusing at the moment? Um, it's one of our focuses. The other one is Batten disease which is a childhood disease, which shares a lot of features with Parkinson's, but also with Alzheimer's and epilepsy. I was going to say, if you don't know what Batten's disease is, um, I think I'd quite like you to explain it, because I think you'll do a better job than me, Steph. But it's catastrophic. It is. uh, Children are born um, apparently completely normally, develop their normal milestones. And then at some point between about two years of age and eight they start uh, going downhill, they regress in their skills, uh, they stop talking, they stop walking, they have a form of childhood dementia, um, as it's often described. Uh, most of them will go blind and eventually um, they're bedridden and they complete support. And until very recently, it's um, always been fatal. Mm. Uh, nowadays, there's a few um, life extending therapies around um, but so far no cure so when you say life extending uh, how is there still a a milestone age that yeah so the the form i'm thinking of where there's a life extension drug Mm. um 
children wouldn't be expected to survive beyond about 11. Oh, gosh. Um, but now with this treatment they're doing, especially if you treat very early, mm. uh, they're doing a lot better um, and they're still alive. Um, often about 13, I guess, is the oldest thing I'll about. Um, so your hope when you're looking at these is for what? To try and understand the... So they're all genetic diseases. So your first step is to understand... Yeah. Yeah, to understand why these neurons die in the disease. Or how. Yeah, like, how. yeah. Um, and what the role of the astrocytes is as well. Um, it's always been considered that it's a neuronal mm. disease, um, but we think that the, the astrocytes are probably playing quite a vital role as well. So how did you come to think of that? Um, looking at the literature, looking at the pathology of the children, um, often it's the, the support cells, these astrocytes, mm-hmm. Um, that starts showing signs of illness early, uh, much earlier than the neurons do. So we think that potentially it's the astrocytes that are signalling to the neurons that something's wrong, and that's what's causing the the neurons to die. Um, So we're testing that hypothesis in our cell culture models um, to see what we can understand about it. How long have you been doing this for? Uh, that, That particular project started about... Four years ago. And how have you gone? Um, we, we're making progress. Um, slow process. So the, the astrocytes are quite a recent addition mm-hmm. um, to the lab. Um, they're looking really, really good now. So now we can start putting the neurons and the astrocytes together to see how they're interacting. Um, whether that impacts the disease and makes it worse. Um, or whether there's a protective effect going on between the two. So in the lab you've got a control of people with as you said earlier, we normal, but, we, mm-hmm. you know, a control set. And yep. have you got some cells that are battens? Yeah, so what we do, instead of taking patient cells and control cells, where you've got a huge amount of genetic diversity mm. and everyone's completely different, we take one supposedly normal cell line and then we genetically change it so it just has a single mutation that you'd find in a patient with batten disease. Right. So other than that, they're completely genetically the same. It's like taking an identical twin, but just changing that one base pair of DNA. So now you've got Batten disease versus a completely you know, identical control. Too early to find to have anything that you can think, ah, oh, I can actually say that's a defining part? Um, yeah, it's, it's still a little bit early. Uh, we're making some good progress. Um, Batten disease is actually more than just one disease. It's a group of 13 diseases, and we're tackling about five of them at the moment. Um, so each one of them is a little step every month. Yes. Well, every month, actually, in research terms, sounds yeah. like a rocket, really, because yeah. research takes so long. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I mean, how long have you been studying this this for? Um, yeah, you personally, not me this. personally. <laughs> Um, back in disease for the last 25 years. So 25 years ago, how how's it looking now? What can you tell people? So 25 years ago, we knew it was a genetic disorder or a group of genetic disorders. Yes. We had no idea what the genes were. So um, if you were a parent with a child with back in disease, we couldn't tell you that that's what it was for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. except by looking at the clinical signs. Right. Now we can take, especially if... Um, for parents that already have a child affected, you can do a genetic test before implantation of the embryo 
right and tell them whether it would be affected or not mm-hmm. um, so that's huge progress yes we have um, like I said 13 different genetic forms we can identify um, we know the function of some of them and now we can actually treat some of them um, not in the clinic yet for most of them but pre-clinically so there's clinical trials going on um, with gene therapy for some of these diseases So we're just here, if you've just um, tuned in, with Associate Professor Stephanie Hughes. We're talking about her research at Batten's. She's at the University of Otago. So how do these, and we're just talking about the advances in the last 25 Mm -hmm. years. Not that I'm wanting to age you at all, I'm sorry. (laughs) So what I'd like to know is, as well as that, is... If someone, does a GP contact you? Like, how does it get that you are testing someone? So we wouldn't directly confirm a genetic diagnosis. That would be done through the clinical geneticists um, who would um, get a referral from neurologists. Mm -hmm. Because it's quite rare, um, many neurologists in New Zealand would never have seen it. Certainly most GPs wouldn't know what it was. So have you got a a statistic for us? Um, There's... In theory, based on overseas data, because our numbers are so low, about four in every 100,000. It's not rare, rare. No. No, not that. It's It's typical of me, wasn't it? Rare, rare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's considered a rare disease. Um, Fortunately, we haven't seen as many cases as we might expect based on overseas um, examples, and we don't really understand why. Um, obviously our population has quite a different structure um, than many others so just luck of the draw right Um, and I suppose um, like MS it's mainly environmental as well MS in terms of you know they know how close you are to the equator and Mm. sunlight and things like that maybe you know Maybe battens is something like it, that. No, no? It's, it's definitely genetic. It is. Um, there is some variation in um, if you have siblings or you know, brother and sister affected, then one might get an earlier disease um, than the other and being more rapidly progressive. Um, and that's something that I was funded by the Neurological Foundation to have a look at. Um, because what we think happens with this, even genetic diseases with a very specific gene defect, there's all these other genes in your genome 18,000 other genes in your genome each one could have an impact on that progression of disease so what we think might be happening and it's been shown in other common diseases is that you have something called a genetic modifier Mm -hmm. and this is another gene which impacts on the severity of the disease you're looking at in some cases um, there's been examples where A patient should have muscular dystrophy, never presents, because they have this other genetic modification that prevents it developing, and we call those genetic superheroes. Sounds really hard to me, because every, for you to be able to pinpoint anything, because there are so many variables and so many different diseases, and then you start going down that part, and then you're hit with something different again yeah well it looking for those superheroes has mm. been like looking for a needle in a haystack you yes. have to have millions of patients and do a whole lot of genetic testing but going back to our iPSC cells 
we can actually do that very easily in those cells. So we can take um, a specific tool called CRISPR and we can change the gene one at a time, every gene in the genome, and look at what effect it has on the Batten disease phenotype or the Batten disease progression that we see in the cells. That's exciting. So that's something that's really novel and really, yeah, exactly exciting to try and work out using these cells in the dish that we were Mm. talking about at the start to find these superheroes. And so with so many differences, and I imagine there's quite a few disheartening days, um, has have you been able to put put this into practice at you know like at all more than you thought? That's a very clumsy question, but I'm yeah. in terms of the superhero type yes. story. So that's an ongoing project. Um, we're just at the stage where we're about to take our cells, our iPSC cells, turn them into neurons, and mm. then change all 18,000 genes in the genome one at a time. Um, That sounds like a huge amount of work, and it's a lot of work, but it's not as bad as trying to genetically test hundreds of thousands Mm. or millions of people to find those. And do you, because we have such small numbers relatively, is there a lot of international collaboration? There is. We've got collaborators around the world um, and a lot of um, drug companies and gene therapy companies are now very interested in, in Batten disease um, mainly because it's a rare disease um, and they can get funding yes. um, through some of the big agencies Sorry if you can hear research. in the background we've got a beautiful dog panting because it's so hot <laughs> It's better isn't it Yeah so as well So, and you're talking about it also in the lab you talk, look at Parkinson's We do Yeah, that's a, quite a new area for us <laughs> and that's been led by Indrital Glassic who, who we mentioned have, before Yes yeah. um, and he's doing some incredible work isn't yep. he Yeah he's great So there's no pockets that you know of that have cities that have higher concentrated battens it's just a No not as such. Um, there's a few sub-pockets in places like Finland, yeah. um, Scandinavia, where because there's quite a very small population that's started off um, in that country, there's something called genetic inbreeding. Right. Um, where you have, it's, it's like in um, birds where you have a very small starting number of, of birds. Um, you get a lot of genetic mutations that end up in the population. Um, the same things happen there. So there's populations where they have high incidence mm. of some of these diseases, unfortunately. Yes. Um, we nearly run out of time, but it, I don't even feel we've scratched the surface. Yeah. So if people would like to know more about what you're doing and what the lab is doing with battens, is there a website that they can go to? There is. So through the BHRC um, website, there's links to all of the researchers, including my lab. Okay. So Brain Health Research Centre... Yep, so it's otago.ac.nz um, slash BHRC. Right. <laughs> it's always a long one. Um, have, is there anything that you'd like people to know as a takeaway? Just the importance of um, rare disease research, I guess. It's been always been hard to get it funded, mm. um, but there's a number of agencies, including Neurological Foundation, that have been very supportive of research in general, knowing that it has wider benefits Um, for the community so we're really grateful for that yeah well thank you I'm really grateful that you've um, 
let me come and chat to you on this fine day. If you are listening to this, I believe that at Fresh FM are taking a bit of a break over the Christmas holidays, so um, hope you're having a lovely time. It's Kelly Bain here from the Neurological Foundation. If you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to look on our website. Uh, you'll find my details there. And Associate Professor Stephanie Hughes, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Kelly. Many thanks again to our fantastic supporters at the Neurological Foundation for providing us with that interview and to our sponsors, the Nelson Clinic. Tune in to Heads Up, playing Thursday mornings following the BBC News at 9. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.